before the episode starts, we just wanted to give a disclaimer that we do not claim to be professionals in any of the areas that we talk about. We are simply college students learning as you guys do. So please keep that in mind. Thanks. Welcome, everybody, to the State of Nature podcast. I'm Peter. I'm Ian. And I'm Ethan. And welcome to this week. Uh, we just want to thank you all for the feedback that you've given us so far. Uh, we've really appreciated it, and we really have taken in, it into account. We've actually gotten some requests this week for things to talk about, and so we will go into that mainly. Um, and, yeah, so we'll start out with politics with Ian. All right, well, good. All right, so we got a request about uh, kind of a, explain how tax brackets work and then uh, offer our opinion on the 70% uh, tax. So right now I'm just going to give like a really brief, watered-down version of what tax brackets are. Um, so tax brackets kind of determines how much, like what percent of your income is taxed. Um, in the United States, of course. So as of 2018 and uh, early 2019, uh, up to uh, $9,525, uh, 10% of your income is taxed. Uh, 12% between you know 9,500 to 38,700, uh, and then 22% of your income, 38,701, uh, 38, uh, up to 82,500. And it kind of continues up to 37%, um, where 37% of your income is taxed um, over $500,000. So, uh, our we were asked to give our opinion on uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I probably butchered that name, uh, AOC for short, and her proposal on a 70% income tax on multimillionaires. Um, and what it is, uh, this is courtesy of The Guardian, it's uh, more or less people making above $10 million, um, should be taxed up to 70% of their income. Um, so, with that out there, thoughts, fellas? Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. I think, I don't know, I think a flat tax, or, yeah, is, I mean, isn't that, I mean, what's fair? That's That's my thing, is like, our country is based in capitalism and capitalism gives you the, the, the ability to make as much money as you possibly can without, you know, tons of restrictions and limitations. I think it would be much more fair if we just had a certain percentage that everyone, no matter what your income is, had to pay. I think as citizens, we're always looking for, you know, what's fair, what's good for everybody. And when I hear like, only the that group of people is being singled out to pay that much that that large of a percentage of their income right it goes against capitalism mm -hmm. and i mean for me when bernie sanders was running for president and he was talking about you know taking down the top one tenth of one one percent in our country I, I was like all good on that but i hadn't really looked into it and now mm -hmm. that i have over the past two years, I don't think that's a super fair thing to put on those people because if you look at a lot of these people who are billionaires and who are making tons of money, quite a few of them grew up in poverty. So our country gave them the, yeah. the opportunity to rise up yeah, to they're, that they're level. They're living the American and, dream. Right. Like, and now extra they're getting, riches. It, yeah. It, but it, it, to me, it's like now you're being penalized for being that successful, in my right. opinion. That's just like how I see it. Mm -hmm. I mean, but also if you think about it, I mean, you can live. Okay, so say you know, you're taxed seventy percent out of ten million. So that's you still got three million left of yearly income, right? Like obviously, roughly, like that doesn't include like all parts of tax and income and all that stuff. Yeah, you can live pretty comfortably off of three million. But I think you're onto something, Ethan. That like that is a lot. 
to tax off of a small percentage of people. Um, Granted, though, I will, if I can step in, I think, like, her heart is in a good place. Oh, 100%. I think she's absolutely on the right track. I just think you have, like, these are people, too. These, mm-hmm. these millionaires and billionaires, they are people. They work for their living. It's, it's like, I don't know. I feel like, can you imagine if we would go to our lowest, pop, our, our lowest percentile of people being taxed and say, okay, well, we think you specifically in your bracket need to be taxed 70%. Mm-hmm. I mean, there would be outrage. But it's like, just because they make more money, in my opinion, they're targeted. But I'm like, a lot of these people are philanthropists and give quite a bit of their income back to communities and right. back to people who are underprivileged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, I don't know, dude. It's it, that's a. That, it, that, it, I mean, that that's really fair. I mean, according to the Guardian, um, Sweden has a seventy percent top tax rate for. I th- can't remember what how much like their their like top of society is making. Um, so it's been done before and it's been done well. I mean, you don't really hear about Swedish, you know, billionaires like rising up or whatever. However, that's Sweden. It's different system, different it's population, different size, population yeah. size yeah. precisely. So I think that comparison is slightly unfair. I and, think that's really different. Yeah. And I think one thing to take into account with this all is these multimillionaires not only are they the philanthropists, but they're the people that invest in our economy. And so to take that out of, I guess, our, just out of our economy, I mean, granted, it's going to the government, but these people invest in companies and help stimulate the people that help, like, make the economy as successful as it has been. Mm -hmm. And so I just worry about, I guess, the impact that it would have on sort of that side of the whole, I guess, spectrum. I think 70% is a good step in the, the right direction. I do think that, like, people who are making... I don't think it should stop, as far as tax bracket goes, at 500000 or more. Because that's a lot of rich people getting taxed the same amount. I mean, mm-hmm. someone whose you know, net worth is $4 billion paying the same taxes as... Paying the same percentage in taxes as someone who's making... 500 grand a year i think it i think we should have a tax increase i think jumping from like 37 percent to 70 percent is dramatic i think it needs to be more gradual i think we need to implement implement kind of a more gradual tax system however i think aoc is making i think that's a good step in the right direction um a politician let me check um, Grover Norquist compared it to slavery, and Steve Whoa. Steve Scalise um, said that AOC wanted to take away seventy percent of your income and give it to leftist fantasy programs. Uh, and I think that's okay, definitely, like, that's no. definitely besides you know the point. Yeah. So like, I assume <laughs> I assume whoever said that was on the right side of the political uh, spectrum. Assumedly, yeah. So in that in that case, when you look at what we pay for in our taxes, when you look up the percentage of what our taxes go to, the military is by far one of the largest brackets of what we pl- like what we just flow our money into. That's true. Yeah. I, I I can't remember where I heard this, but somebody said if we just took. Five percent, just five percent of what we put into our military spending, we could fix a lot of problems with our education system. Just five percent of that, Mm -hmm. and we have one of the largest and most successful militaries in the entire world. Now, I mean, I'm not discrediting anything from the military. I think we have a fantastic defense system. Granted, I think we do put way too much money into defense spending. Into into defense spending, and also if. If we backed out, if we backed out of our wars in the Middle East, granted we'd still keep giving aid. If we just backed out, if I, we if we backed out our war machine and put our support system into the Middle East, we would save so much money because war is so expensive. So rather, so you're saying rather than boots on the ground providing more, like using that tax dollar money Dude, to provide aid, send the American Red Cross in. Okay. I mean, I or, or, or ask for help from the UN. I'm just saying there are more cost-effective ways to go about 
our spending. All right, so yeah. so so here's an idea. Say we we keep the seventy percent, making ten million or more. Like we we keep that seventy percent. What if they had control over what their tax money was going into? Do you think that would make a difference, or do you think we oh, should just no, or just have a have a nationwide I, change into what our tax money is going into? That's a good question, dude. I don't. I yeah. think. Um, I mean, obviously, we're not going to solve this issue today by any means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, I I I think we would do better to reallocate what our priorities are as a nation because mm-hmm. obviously the people who are in charge of placing all of this money into each branch or each thing we're spending it on those people have to look at what our country wants and what our country needs or you know we just need to i think change our hearts a little bit in this nation and right. that is where the this this tax bracket proposal is coming from with a 70 percent tax based on or placed on these rich people it's coming yeah. from a place of we should do better. We mm-hmm. should be more compassionate, more empathetic towards our fellow Americans. I mean, that's yeah. it. Yeah, and I think this just this question in general of where not only if we should tax this money, but where this money would go is a very fascinating thing, because I think that that seventy percent would then have a greater influence on where that money went. Right. Because that's their money that. The government's taking right i think that you know congressmen and you know people in the legislature would be a lot more susceptible to listening to those people in regards to where all this money would be budgeted in that instance and i think that would just be fascinating to see as well because mm. i think that would change some of the politics around that very significantly if it was if the tax percentage was increased to 70%. Right. I mean, if we brought it up to like 40, I don't think it would be as big, mm-hmm. but... And who yeah. kn- I mean, obviously this is just surface value of a take on something AOC did. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe like she's been more elaborate and I just don't know on maybe there is gradual that yeah. like instead of jumping to 70%, maybe she did propose. That's just out of my own ignorance. I don't know. But I, th- I think you're right. Peter, I think you're, I think you, I think you're onto something there. Like I think that's mm-hmm. that's pretty fair. Um, so, uh, if you agree or disagree, let us know. Um, now we're gonna switch over to Ethan, who's gonna put us into some some historical information of this week. All right, Ethan, take it away. All right, thank you. Uh, I think we're all familiar with Nelson Mandela. Right. Yeah. Right. So. On February 11th, 1990, Nelson Mandela was released after his 27-year prison sentence. Yikes. What a wow. nightmare. So, so February 11th, for those who don't know, February 11th is coming up on Monday, which will most likely be the day we're downloading this. Yeah. The, the incredible thing about Nelson Mandela is it seems like his entire life was you know, dedicated to the uh, people of South Africa. Right. He just wanted, mm-hmm. I mean, what a patriot. Mm-hmm. When I, I mean, I don't know a lot about Nelson Mandela, but from what I do know, just what an absolute hero, what a sacrifice that man gave to his country. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, 27 years spent in a cell, all, all because you want a better future for your countrymen. Right. I could yeah. never, I can never imagine being uh, in that position. Have you seen mm-hmm. the interviews with any of those South African political activists? They don't, no. they're, they're not prisoners. They, they're, uh, they're the most articulate, well-educated people you'll ever listen to. And like, mm-hmm. they were in prison for decades. I mean, I think it's, <laughs> there was actually a, a really funny clip by the comedian, uh, Gabriel Gundacker. And he like has a checklist as like Rugrats, SpongeBob, um, Rocket Jump, and all those things. Like, all right, well, I successfully remember the '90s. And then behind him, there's a giant poster that just says "Apartheid" on it. That like, you know, remembering the '90s kind of excludes remembering apartheid. Mm-hmm. Um, but absolutely, I mean, when did when did Nelson Mandela pass? Was it 2014? 2015? 
I'm actually not sure about that. Let me look that up. Also, so oh, he died. Yeah, so he he died peacefully in uh, 2013. 2013. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So when he was arrested, this is this is kind of interesting. He was arrested on uh, treason. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So, according to uh, history.com, praise be. Um, in 1961, he was arrested for treason, and although he was acquitted, he was arrested again in 62 for illegally leaving the country. Uh, he was convicted and sentenced to five years in Robben Island Prison. He was put on trial again in 64 on charges of sabotage. In June 64, he was, con- he was convicted along with several other ANC leaders and sentenced to life in prison. And now, for those who don't know, the ANC is the A- African National Congress, uh, just a, a coalition of uh, men and women who wanted to do away with apartheid, a a very noble cause. Mm -hmm. I mean, dude, just 27 years. And apparently, like, during his sentence, he spent a lot of his time doing uh, really intensive labor in, like, rock quarries, like, laying down roads. So, I mean, in in these 27 years, he essentially is a slave to the state of South Africa. I mean, now that's considered, you know, cruel and unusual punishment. I don't know about South Africa, but... United States can't do that anymore. Like, yeah. I do you know uh, what? we can't. We can't, but we sort of do. I mean, just barely with these uh, forest fires oh, that, in Northern yeah, yeah, California. Absolutely. They're having these dudes yeah. fight these fires for something like four cents an hour, or something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, these dudes aren't professional firefighters. They're prisoners. They're citizens like the rest of us. Right. Or at least they were at some point citizens like the rest of us, and they're just expected to go out and like risk their lives, but. Like, that's pretty cruel and unusual. Oh, I mean, where absolutely. are the professionals in yeah, that yeah, setting? Yeah. Where are those guys? Mm-hmm. I mean, but back to the Mandela thing. I mean, when he gets out, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to um, compare him to Hitler, but it's sort of a similar thing where you're, re- you're released from prison. You have this entire movement that is building up and, uh, thriving in your ideals and your image mm-hmm. when you're released you become the leader of your nation yeah after a rocky rocky oh, for sure. and uh, cr- uh just brutal amount of years i mean in the wake of world war one the treaty of versailles basically sends germany into the into an earlier depression than the yeah. rest of the world and i mean it's the same thing hiller goes to prison his book pretty much forms this this mob of people who follow him and he right. as we all know just used his power to become a tyrant and plunge us into the second world war but how beautiful a story with mandela he goes to prison for this long mm-hmm. comes out and and not only just thrives but sends a positive message to the rest of the country and forgives the men and women who kept him uh, in prison during apartheid. Right, exactly. Yeah. Do you know? W- w- you said like treason and stuff. What was he doing? Like, what? What were the? Like, what were the charges even? Yeah, I'm curious to hear about that as well. I'm not a hundred percent sure on most of them, but it was basically uh, protesting apartheid. Oh, really? Okay. And apartheid. Apartheid was pretty set in stone when right. he was doing it. It's similar to the people in our in our country who did the sit-ins, bus boycotts. Right. And other mm-hmm. peaceful protests during our Jim Crow Jim Crow years. Mm-hmm. It's similar to that, but apartheid was on a whole nother level. But that lasted to the nineties. I mean, like good. Oh I, my I, gosh. I don't want to claim I know about the South African government at the time. However, like the fact that, you know, more or less a white dominant like regime lasted until the nineties. And people don't talk about it. I think that's something that people need to be a little more self-aware, just to kind of contribute. This there's um. So you guys all know, like you know, comic book hero, Black Panther, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So they released a series of comics in support of like the anti-apartheid movement in South Africa, and it was a four-part series of Black Panther, and it was basically. The, the the he literally fought like a white supremacist group of avengers in like a f- fictional south african state oh. and they were called the supremacists and like people it was used at the time to like kind of give information cuz people in the united states didn't really know 
And it's, I think it came out about I, I, I want to say eighty four. This like four part series. And it, it it like, it showed how much it mattered. Like people, I mean, they had just gone through you know yeah like civil rights movement sixties seventies early eighties, in the United States, but that wasn't the end of it. There's still South Africa, and the fact that you know people don't know and should know about apartheid i think that should definitely like institutionalize in at least united states education i mean i just took a a course on civil rights and it never covered like issues globally Mm -hmm. dude my girlfriend and i were actually just talking about something similar to that where we were i can't remember what we were discussing but it was we couldn't believe we just didn't learn about this stuff in school Mm mm-hmm like like learning yeah. about other countries. Right. Uh, we have a close friend who was a French exchange student uh, here at Utah State during this last winter semester, and we would we would talk about stuff pertaining to our country, and he had no idea mm-hmm. about any of it. And he was like, "We don't learn about the United States' history. When we grow up, we learn about France's history." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, dude! We that's all we do. We learn about the United States." Mm-hmm. And those we directly affect. We don't. We don't learn about the rest of the world at that time. I mean, granted, you only have so much time in a history class, and yeah. you want to focus on the things that are really going to hit home for you. That you could maybe go talk to your grandparents about, talk to your parents about. Because mm-hmm. I mean, with this stuff with apartheid, I mean, I was in my senior year of high school when they even mentioned apartheid as like a sort of dual connection to our civil rights era and just being like Mm -hmm. the tyranny of white supremacy was still going on and i was like why don't you tell us more about that that it wasn't Mm -hmm. just us that the rest of the world has faced similar problems i mean i think it's fair to say when you meet people from other countries when you try and research and understand different cultures different peoples um I study history at Utah State, and right. I find all the time that people repeat themselves. We're still human beings, although we come from different countries with vastly different cultures and different yeah. languages and uh-huh. different customs. We're still human beings by nature. We still, as societies, as countries, and as civilizations, we go through similar things. Mm-hmm. And I think Americans can really draw a connection to Nelson Mandela and draw a connection to apartheid and sort of feel for it and understand it because we had something similar here uh post post slavery jim mm-hmm. crow was a horrific time in our country and i mean thank god we we had uh political and religious activists across the nation early earlier than 1990 to band together and take down jim crow unfortunately right. you know what i honestly think if he would have been released in earlier than this his message was so strong that no matter when he was released, he would have prevailed. Right. And that's a beautiful thing. Unfortunately, it took as long as it did. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. And like, I, my, I had to look up apartheid like on my own because mm-hmm. I never, like, I never knew about it. You, I mean, you're just talking about this. Like, I, I didn't learn about it in school. There's a movie. Um, that came out about Invictus. About oh, about the, the, the rugby, rugby team. team. Yeah. yeah, that like he more or less like it's Matt Damon, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and that was like I was like I don't even know what this is. And you know when the when the South African uh, host of World Cup came in like 2010, and they finally like shed light, and no one actually knew what apartheid was. Yeah, like. I don't know. At least I think people are learning from their mistakes and like, but yeah. like going back to the whole, I mean, racism exists. It's ignorant to think it doesn't. And like, I think that, uh, like without like addressing it as a mistake, we're never going to learn. Um, I had a point I was gonna make, but it is uh, it was yeah. lost on me. So yeah, forgive me. Th- so sorry. Yeah, I think just something interesting with all this that has been on my mind as we've talked about it is our as we gain more information about these sort of topics, our respect for 
just the situation and what happened increases. I mean, as we've sort of talked about Nelson Mandela, there's a lot more respect that comes for him. And going back to Ethan's comments about sort of learning about different cultures, and especially in the U.S. focusing on U.S. history, I think that really creates a lot more respect for America, for us living here. Mm -hmm. And I think, granted, the amount of information that there is in the world, it's hard to spend a lot of time learning about a whole, like, yeah, every no, other country fair. and everything yeah, that yeah, happened. Yeah, that's fair. But I also saw that when I was living in Japan, where I had my eyes open to a lot of different things that were going on there. Their birth rate is abysmally low, and they're losing a lot of their population now. Where they lost about 300,000 people in their population last year. Oh, In one and, year? Yeah, in one Holy. year. Their birth rate... They gotta get and loving over in Japan. They gotta get their <laughs> that's on. that's a whole nother issue that they're having. It's there's a lot of different aspects that I didn't realize about Japan. Where, granted, I don't think I would want to live in that society for the rest of my life. Right. There's a lot of appreciation and a lot of respect for those people because they're dealing with things that are a lot different than us. Right. So, do you think cultural exposure like prevents like racist ideologies or tendencies or do you think it's inevitable because think, like it's lasted this long i think uh it creates a tolerance for people's beliefs okay because you as you see other sort of societies and other beliefs mm -hmm. granted you don't agree with them but you can see where they're coming <gasps> from you can understand their background and i feel that Granted, there may be people that believe, like, we have all right people and, you know, even alt left. And granted, they can disagree a lot of the times. But if you learn more about them, while you may not respect them, you can learn to understand where they're coming from. That's fair. Even if it isn't right in your opinion. Yeah. So, so I think. So when I grew up, like, I don't think Germans are inherently racist. Mm -hmm. But I also think they don't necessarily understand. So, yeah. like, they don't really have, a, at least in my area, in Bavaria, where I grew up, uh, there's, like, a lot of, like, Syrian and Turkish immigrants who, like, you know, start businesses and stuff. And there, like, German tolerance has greatly increased since, like, the Sy Syrian refugee crisis and stuff. Yeah. Um, And as far as, like, but, like, with African Americans or just, like, you know, black people in general, mm -hmm. I was at a mall, like a, a German mall once, like on a school field or something. And one of my friends was like African-American mm -hmm. and like all these German dudes, like, you know, were like gawking like, Oh, chocolate. Like as they're looking at it, it was like chocolate. Like, oh, like, okay. and I've never seen that happen before. So oh. I think like to a degree, I think you're right. I think like you have, to draw a line of understanding, like yeah. not necessarily tolerance, but understanding things. Cause like, unless they, unless Germans like are exposed to more African Americans, I don't think some of those like thoughts are going to change. Yeah. So, you know, I think exposure definitely helps. Um, right. uh, man, I think like, especially in gr uh, growing up in this state, it's a bubble. Growing yeah. up here in Utah, I yeah. noticed for, for a lot of people around me, I, I was super fortunate. I was very privileged growing up to be able to travel with my family and experience other people. I mean, all growing up, it's kind of a weird thing. I've taken quite pride in my heritage. Mm -hmm. I've always understood that like m my mom's side of the family have roots in Panama and Hispanic culture. Uh, speaking Spanish is something that like I'd never got the opportunity to. Right. And when my grandma immigrated, my, when my great grandma came to America from Panama, I don't know what it was. I, I don't, I haven't really dug deep into it, but like her kids didn't learn Spanish. Right. I mean, she granted, she married an Iowan and, uh, like my other side of the family, I have, I have Jewish roots and I myself have been bar mitzvahed and, and claim Judaism um, mm -hmm. I think like I was exposed to so many things and I would come home and see kids being really closed minded. And I just remember being really confused at that growing up. Like, I wonder why they're like that. Like, yeah. that's yeah. so sad. 
Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. But then as I got older, I'm like, oh, I've had so many experiences and have, have had unbelievable amounts of privileges that they haven't had. Mm-hmm. And I think like, like for me, Anthony Bourdain is a huge hero to me. Right. He's a huge hero to me for one specific reason is that he bridges gaps between cultures. He sits down and he uses food as a medium to connect with people. Right. He sits down and has meals with people and just has a genuine conversation. And I mean, that's an example that a lot of people would do good to take on in their own life, Mm -hmm. being more welcoming to other people and understanding like, or trying to at least understand, Mm -hmm. just figure it out. And I mean, in my own life, I have very, very, uh, different political views than a lot of my friends. I have a very different religious views than a lot of my friends, but I try and build bridges and, uh, you know, take away the gaps between our, between us and just figure it out. And with Nelson Mandela and his situation was the Afrikan population weren't trying to understand the black or the colored populations of South Africa. They wanted to keep that cultural divide. And I think to myself, in the beginning, when the Dutch first came to South Africa, I wonder how their relationship would have been different if there was no aggression and just Mm -hmm. communication, trying to figure out each other's languages and trying to figure out a way where they could have made it work together. Right. Mm -hmm. Colonialization is ugly, and it's never been a positive. It's hardly ever been a positive thing for for any society. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, granted, the country we live in, colonialization was something that our founding fathers couldn't stand to the point where they were putting their lives on the line to create a new society for us. Right. Same way that Nelson Mandela went to prison so yeah. that eventually he could spread his message and you know, uh-huh. get it back to the world. So, yeah, I think exposure to cultures, exposure, exposure to other civilizations, languages, and people would bridge the gaps between us and... Uh, hopefully dissolve the differences. Right. Yeah. yeah. I I mean, growing up as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that's that idea of tolerance <laughs> is not understood correctly by a lot of people. Uh-huh. Because we, at least I've grown up, and for a long time, it I understood sort of this acceptance as like, understanding their belief and then just accepting everything that they believe as being true but that's that's not exactly what we're asking you know with tolerance it's recognizing that there is a difference in beliefs and being able to accept that other people believe different things and you don't Uh need to either force your beliefs on them and you their beliefs don't really need to be completely forced on you Mm -hmm. and i think like just understanding where people come from and being able to understand that they believe differently is something that can be very hard in in our culture and especially in Utah. It's just because there's a tendency to for people of my church to look down on others because right. they believe differently. But uh-huh. everybody has a right to believe different things. Totally. And I think this conversation is exactly what Mandela would have wanted for the world just to right. talk about it. Yeah. So in closing and in reminder, um, this coming Monday on February 11th, although not 2019, but in 1990, after 27 years of imprisonment, Nelson Mandela is released from prison. And now we're going to take some time, move on. Oscar season approaches. We're going to do yeah. a little bit, of, take a little bit of time and talk about what we think about the Oscars this year. Talk about our top picks for best pick and, other categories peter if you want to take take that on yeah so appreciated there's some pretty good oscar nominations this year uh we have just to go through it uh let's see so for best picture we have black panther black klansman bohemian rhapsody the favorite green brook roma a Star is Born, and Vice. Ooh, that's so. a good list. I, you know what? I think Roma. I think Roma's taking I, it. I haven't I, seen any of these yet. Watch I, it I alone. I gotta be honest here. I, <laughs> watch I it know alone. that I need to watch Roma. That's on my list. Yeah. One of the Netflix originals, or Netflix exclusives, if you want to call it that. 
I gotta be honest. I have no idea why Black Panther is in that list. I really? think I have no idea why that dude. It's a superhero movie. I mean, that's fair. Well, I'm, this is my thing though. As a superhero movie, I understood that it was big for the culture. However, you want to say that. I don't think it was that good of a movie. Whatever. You know what I mean? My mm-hmm. own personal opinion. Yeah. There are better superhero movies that exist out there that weren't even close to being nominated. I feel like there's a lot of politically there's a lot of political charge behind that nomination. And okay. I'm like, dude, it's a film award, you know what I mean? You got to right. give an award yeah. for good content in your movie rather than whatever happened outside the movie, mm-hmm. whatever it did for the culture. That's besides it. That's a people's choice type of award. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if it was people's choice, obviously Black Clans or not Black Clans, Black Panther would be at the forefront of that vote because it was super popular to the people. But as a movie, I don't think it did as well as some of these other movies like Roma as a film. I haven't seen Roma. Dude, it's just, it's yeah. filmed beautifully. Mm-hmm. Most of the cinematography and it's it's black and white, which is an interesting pick. It's uh yeah. it's loosely based on the life of the director of the movie Mm -hmm. granted amazing script a lot of the actor dude a lot of tracking shots in this to be able as a director to Mm -hmm. like for a director to go through and basically map out and i i read somewhere that they didn't use a script for a lot of the movie it was basically just him telling these people what to do like his command over his actors really shows Mm-hmm. Super incredible mm-hmm. movie. I think I think Roma's gonna take it, but if I'm gonna be honest, I think A Star Is Born is probably. I it's I up there, dude. It dude it it got some good reviews. I know, but I don't think it. I don't think it's gonna make it with this list. What do you think is gonna I think, make it? I think either Roma, because I think not only. I mean, I haven't seen it yet, but just hearing a lot about it and seeing how it's been produced i think that really pushes some boundaries that aren't typically pushed i mean putting it all in black and white right is a statement just of like just it sets a tone for the movie and i mean if you go back to 2011 the winner for best picture was the artist and that was all in black and white right and so I think there's something to be said about that sort of effect and it just mm-hmm. how it enhances the movie. Um, so I think it's either that or I think because there is a lot of the politically charged stuff, they could make a statement and do either Black Panther or Black Klansman. Black Klansman was good, but I don't think it's the best. Mm-hmm. I what what do you guys think do you guys know about like the bohemian rhapsody producer brian singer yeah i've heard about his allegations yeah i mean he was brian singer has has uh produced and directed several movies across the board in many different genres if you like the older x-men movies he had a hand to play in the original three yeah and uh, um, usual suspects critically acclaimed kevin spacey movie we talked about it in a previous episode Mm -hmm. love it um i do think that tanks its opportunity I don't think it's going to win because of that. I mean, we talked about it in a previous episode about separating the art from the artist. I mean, it's a big part of it, but it's a separate entity. True, but I think the Oscar... If we're talking about Oscars being politically charged... Oh, dude, the whole Kevin... Kevin, What's it? Kevin Hart thing? Oh, yeah. I I honestly have no idea what happened. Okay, so he tweeted tweeted, uh, homophobic jokes on Twitter over 10 years ago when he was... uh, offered the position to host the Oscars mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of left not a bunch a few left-leaning people dug through his Twitter and Google to find these because apparently they had been deleted for 10 years they they dug their way through Google to resurface tweets that he had already apologized for yeah I see and it was enough for the Hollywood Foreign Press and the people who are scheduling and putting together this year's Oscars to have him step away Mm -hmm. i thought that was utter bull like he i hate this so much because i i'm on the left side of the aisle and i know it's people on my side of the political spectrum who can't just let freedom of speech be freedom of speech they have to just control everything okay yeah there's no freedom in that at all and i get it you know he said some hurtful things but uh you know if you're so perfect 
judge him, but I doubt that you are whoever's doing this. Mm-hmm. We are imperfect people, every, every single one of us. And for you to judge other people like that, most of the time isn't justifiable. Mm-hmm. And also Kevin, Kevin Hart is known throughout Hollywood as like a, a, a all around good dude who tries to do the right thing. Who's in basically everything. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Right. He's so famous and he was the first one after all of this to come out and re-apologize. Right. It's like, dude, it was 10 years ago. You think he's the same person today as he was 10 years ago? Right. Like, just look at his net worth. It's not the same net worth he had 10 years ago. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? And it's it's grown because he's expanded as a person, hopefully, and he's expanded his craft, and he's expanded his PR. And... Uh, yeah, that was just bull. I think I think for an award show to take political stances like that when it's not even about politics is kind of kind of lame. And I mean that being said, I think I think you just proved that like Bohemian Rhapsody probably isn't going to get it. Dude, because... and even then, it, they took such they did not do Freddie justice in that movie. They took such a safe route. They they took the I haven't oh, seen it. So they I'm took a lot word. of the positive aspects of his life and like sort of put in the grievances that he had dude his hardships made him who he was right and they didn't show an ounce of drug use Mm -hmm. hardly at all really no i had no idea yeah i mean i I mean i've heard that like i won an award recently one of of his friends shows up to his house i think in one of the scenes after he's been on like a drug tirade for like a couple months Mm -hmm. and they're like what's going on with you and he's like oh nothing they're like what is that then and he's like oh i'm just been kind of in a mood i guess and it's like dude no he was struggling with partying he had a very dark side to his life and a lot of those dark moments brought out the the beautiful parts in his music and they just took such a safe route with the movie granted it was a pretty good movie i just don't think it's the best, the best yeah. one up there. I mean, it's I, that's this is the thing for me. Just because a movie's good doesn't make it the best. Yeah, and right. when you're when you're trying to judge a film on what makes it the best, mm-hmm. it's not just what the audience has to say. These people who are hired or voted in, I guess, by the Hollywood Foreign Press are experts in their field. They understand what makes a movie excellent, what what the bar is and the standard is for a good movie. And I think they're allowing some movies in here that don't really hit that bar and mm-hmm. they're allowing them just cause they're popular. And to me, I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, that's the MTV movie awards. It's mm-hmm. bi- it's a popularity contest. It's yep. not a content contest. Mm-hmm. Like the fast and the furious movies makes, they, they win awards up and down that award show. And I'm like, dude, Yike. come on. Yeah. It's the fast yeah. and the furious. Like those aren't, those aren't excellent films. There's a reason that are just money machines. That's the reason why they keep making, they've made like eight of them now. They're coming out with a ninth one, I think. Yeah. And it's like, it's a Dwayne Johnson, Jason Statham spinoff, like a buddy, buddy (laughs) cop film. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, dude, okay. The first one, my, my brother and my dad and I have kind of a, an inside joke about Fast and the Furious being the best romantic comedy of all time. Because of the relationship. Driving with the bros. Right, but it's specifically the on-screen relationship between Vin Diesel and Paul Walker, RIP. Yeah. Just the way they look at each other into each other's eyes. Mm-hmm. Something to be envied. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving what, on. I mean, what else is what else is going on in culture, Peter? What what's coming well, up? Yeah. What are you guys uh, listening to? I'm curious. This week, what have you been? What have you been digging on the playlist? You guys are listening to her, the soundtrack from the movie. No, her, <laughs> her like the artist, nah. like H dot E dot R. Nah, I haven't. I oh, it's oh. so sexy. I love yes, her. Yes, I have. I've heard <laughs> her I've, been, stuff. I've been slapping her. Yeah, because she does so stuff hard. With Daniel Caesar. Yes, oh, yes, that yeah. Stuff and then is she so like good. so she had that song on her album. I, I want to say like. Six months or a year before Freudian, or maybe her album came yeah, out. Yeah, best after. part. Oh yeah, my yeah, goodness. Yeah. And like, oh, I've been listening. I don't know why. That like, song. I was just having like, like I mean, Grant, she has some like pretty sad songs, but like her songs are just so like positive and fun to listen to. Yeah. So like, I had like one day this week was just so bad, and I just listened to her all day, and I felt so good about it. <laughs> so if you don't listen to her, please check it out. What yeah. about you, Peter? What you, been, like, what you been listening to? I something it hasn't been on my playlist a lot recently, but something that I've 
just loved because it's sort of a bit more upbeat mm-hmm. is this artist Sammy Ray. Oh, okay. She only has an EP out. I think it's an album. I don't know. But it's called The Good Life. Just like five songs. And it's just... It has this really cool mood to it. It's just really funky and really just good. And her voice is so good. Right. And that's just what I've been jamming recently. Like, her stuff, I could listen to anytime. And it's just... It's good stuff. So... Nice. Yeah. What about you, Ethan? Well, for... Uh, shouts out to all of our rich kid Apple Music uh, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, Apple does a really cool thing where they do the essentials playlists for most popular artists. Mm-hmm. That I got on kind of a tad tangent on Monday listening to the White Stripes essentials playlist. Oh, oh boy! Throwback. Oh boy, man! If you are a big fan of blues, rock, southern rock, I mean, White Stripes basically cover it. Yeah. I'd go give that one a listen. That's basically all I've got to say about that. White Stripes are incredible for feel good to aggressive to angry, maybe even chill music. They cover it all. So go give the uh, White Stripes Essentials playlist on Apple or Spotify. They probably have one on Spotify. They're going to be on Spotify, but the album or the... uh... The playlist, they usually do something called This Is, and then the artist's name. Or like okay. Deep Cuts. So they probably have like a This yeah, Is, I'm sure. White Stripes. Just check out what, is it, is it just older? Is white it? Stripes are just White Stripes Dude, it's the collective White Stripes. I mean, okay, gotcha. granted their final album, I believe was Icky Thump. White okay. Stripes. Yes. And it came so out in 07. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What you oh, consider. Yeah, that came out in 07? I believe. What? I didn't realize that they did. Yeah, I, I didn't realize they'd been done for. So, I mean, I know Jack White has been like you know consistently been in like the music scene. He's been, you know, a good listen to. But mm-hmm. who knew? Yeah, and I'm I'm looking that old. up really fast just to see when that album came. out. Yeah, 2007. Holy. Yeah, pretty incredible, huh? But I mean, granted, since then Jack White hasn't. He's been far from retired. He has a side. He has a side band called the Raconteurs. Yeah, let's say like Jack White has been on the music scene. For on top of singles, yeah, ju- not singles, but he solo, has solo, solo yeah. albums. He's incredible. Go give that a listen to on Spotify or YouTube, mm-hmm. wherever you want. Just go, pop in the disc. Yeah, yeah. Of the White Stripes. Yeah. What have you been watching lately, Ian? Watching? I don't know. I've been. I've been like. I've honestly been like playing a little more than watching. Playing. Yes. Like I've like. This new game, this new free to play came out called Apex, Apex Legends. It's a free to play battle royale. I've heard royale. a lot about that. Yeah, it's on. I haven't heard anything about it, that. It's it's on all platforms, I believe, Not except on Switch. Switch. But like you know, but what's, Switch has what's on games. Switch? Yeah, I mean, like it's just like I don't know. It's made by Respawn Entertainment, who yeah, also made Titanfall. Who made, yeah, Titanfall. Yeah, yeah, and Titanfall right? was oh, I love Titanfall too. I heard good and things about that game. The same universe. It's like it's not necessarily same style of gameplay, but like. That's what I've been playing. I mean, I'm not trying to digress from watching. If you guys have been watching some stuff, please give me some recommendations. Dude, I've literally just been digging Big Mouth right now. Really? Oh, dude, dude I, I there's a new get season. Into that. Ugh. There, yeah, like it's just it's, it's, it's filthy. Watch it alone. Yeah, it yeah. definitely. It's I super think that's foul. Why I can't get into yeah. it. It's just like <laughs> it's a little too much for me. It can be a lot. Yeah. 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 Like there's this one I, part when he like takes like. This old dude's head. I don't know. I'm not yeah, even gonna get into it. Clean. Like, I'm not gonna get into it. Yeah, I've just been it. watching Big Mouth, but I mean I watched this movie with my girlfriend called Edge of Seventeen okay. with Woody Harrelson and the the girl from True Grit. Huh. Okay. It was okay. I I, was say, I love Woody Harrelson though. Of course. Like, He's Woody Harrelson. Yeah, I was about to say who yeah. doesn't love Woody What Harrelson. is his character's name in Zombie is it Tallahassee in Zombieland? Oh I I haven't seen Zombieland forever. They're coming out with a new one, twenty eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. With the uh, same cast, yeah, yeah, yeah. Minus Bill Murray, we know why. But like, you know, R.I.P. Yeah, not he's not actually dead. He's not dead. Actually Zombie dead. Land he in the Zombie Land universe. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as the playing goes, I'm deep into BF Five right now. Battlefield Five. So I, I need good. to get back into it. I just haven't played in a Just you know, I was time, neglecting cool. it for a little while playing Red Dead Two. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. um, got to show love to the BF community. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then on bigger news, our. Uh, our own Peter ordered a Nintendo Switch. And it apparently just delivered. So oh, what's that's up? Gonna be we're we're going to be wrapping up soon. But, yeah. Yeah. Peter's yeah, yeah. got to run think, home. What have I been playing recently, though? 
I am I'm more into strategy games. Yeah, like because you like the like the turn based stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah turn based yeah. stuff. Like, I think about like the Fire Emblem games are really good, or like the XCOM games. Oh, uh, for those who don't know, turn based is generally it's you know you go you play one at a time instead of like a traditional yeah. like FPS where you're all playing at once. Uh, generally, it's on like a grid of some t- type or like a big map, and it's yeah. you control individual units rather than a single character. Sorry. Yeah, you continue. And, I'm, just, I'm just giving and, some background. Yeah. And it allows time for deliberation between decisions. And right, right, right. And there's right. this game by, I want to say the producer is Subset Games, called Into the Breach. And oh, right, right, It's right. on, I want to say, Switch and Steam. Steam. And I don't know if it's on PS4 and Xbox One. Well, but it is it just, out. it's a solid game because... They just put you in a lot of desperation situations where the enemies are going to destroy something. Mm-hmm. And and they let you know before you take your turn where the enemy's going to attack when they move. Okay. And gotcha. so your objective is to negate all that stuff and like negate Th- that's pretty as interesting. much damage as possible. It's freaking hard. I, it stresses me out, but I absolutely love it. And yeah, I guess that's what I've been playing. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of. Are you getting Smash? Yeah, I'm getting oh, Smash. Sweet. Of course, right. I gotta go home and unlock. You gotta go see. I gotta. I gotta. But I'm not but gonna dive into Smash right now because that's gonna last forever. Yeah. But uh, you know, um, that's the first game I'm gonna have. So, all right. So yeah, yeah. that was. Uh, yeah, that was a fun time, guys. Thank you uh, again to all of our listeners. This has been episode two. Of the State of officially. Nature podcast. Yeah, officially episode two. We are on all all major podcast platforms. Not that hard to find. Yeah. Go on and give us a subscribe and maybe leave a comment. It all, it all helps us out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then where can they where can they reach us for their uh, requests? Uh, they can reach us at Twitter at capital P, capital O, capital D podcast. Uh, that's where we got our request at today. At uh, give us a follow. Podcast. Yeah. Oh, oh, I just said at P-O-D. Oh, my God. I'm a moron. <laughs> yeah, dude. Okay, at, <laughs> at, the, at, at capital podcast. S. At, at capital we don't have o, that at title. Capital we don't have N that tag. Podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah I'm, I, I just spelled pod podcast. I'm a moron. Yeah. Um, oh, well. But, yeah, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, if there's, you know, something you want us to talk about, something you're interested in, or give us your own opinions, or, you know, just you we know, we you love want, the, we wanna, love the feedback from you guys. So yeah, keep if you have anything, yeah. a recommendation, let us know. Even leave us a review. I think that'll help. Yes. Us to see what we can also do better. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Please leave. And us if a you review, hate us, tell anything. us. Tell us why you hate us. Freedom of yeah, speech love is to yeah. totally welcome for sure. All right, we everybody. Our haters. Yeah, and that has been episode two of the State of Nature podcast. I'm Ethan. I'm Ian, and I'm Peter. Have a good week. We will see you again next week.